Gospel of Mark in chapter 2, starting at verse 23 through to 28. And it says this. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have ye never read what David did? when he had need and was hungered, he and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also. Of the Sabbath. Let us pray. Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would be with us. Lord, that you would take us through these scriptures, Lord. Lord, that you would lead me and guide me, Lord. In everything. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there is anything, Lord, that I have put down here, Lord, that you would take it from me. But Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would guide me, Lord, through what I am to say, Lord, unto your people. Heavenly Father, Lord, take me out of the way so it were, so that people may see you, Jesus. People may see the blessed saviour this morning. Lord, because you are in every page. Lord, you're in every word. And Lord, we just thank you that you're our saviour. Lord, help me glorify your precious name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As you probably see whenever you read the Gospels, especially about the life of Jesus, you will find that his ministry was dogged, if you like, by the religious leaders of that time. They were always criticising or trying to hold him back from what he was doing, from what he was teaching the people. But you notice something when the Lord said something, it was always very, very profound because it would challenge the very hearts of men and women that were around him. It would challenge the very religious establishment at that time. He would challenge people with the things that he would say. And there's a reason for that is because what he was saying was the truth. And we've all heard it, haven't we? The truth hurts. 
and it does. And I think this day and age, especially now, we've got so used to not hearing the truth. We really have. I mean, whenever you switch on the news, usually they'll give you their opinion, but they won't give you the news. You know, whenever you listen, and I'm not picking on them, but politicians, they will tell you one thing, but they will do something else. It's just... We come to accept that. But the Lord was different. He was different because he spoke in a plain language. He was different because he didn't beat around the bush, so to speak. And he spoke straight into the heart of a matter. And that's why it says in Hebrews 4 and 12, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that's exactly what was happening. That word cut them like a knife. But if you look back through this chapter, if you went to... The chapter that we just read, if you went back to verse 3, so in, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 3, if you just went and you start to read this, you start to see something. There's a pattern in this chapter. And we'll just read from verse 3 here and, and listen to this. And it says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was bought of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him, for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doeth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? but God only. So straight away we see in near the start of the chapter, verses 3 down to 7, straight away he's starting to do something. He's starting to reveal who he is. And it is, isn't it amazing that through it all, they could only see with their religiosity a blasphemous or somebody that was speaking blasphemy. But they couldn't see the act of mercy that was on that man that was sick. They couldn't see that act of kindness or that act of love that was on that man. They could only see the blasphemy. And you notice something, and this is beautiful. The Lord called him son. He said son. Showing the love of God to this man. A beautiful compassion to him. But this is what religion is, brother and sister. Religion is hard and it's a hard taskmaster. Religion doesn't have compassion, but it has regulations. And this is what the Lord was trying to get at. Let your eye run down to six, uh, verse 16 in the same chapter, please. And it says this, 
when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with the publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They are whole, have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And here again, we see the Lord. He's over. He's talking to these people. And there's all the religious leaders saying, we'd have nothing to do with them. Sure, look at the way they're getting on. What would you want to go and speak to them for? They were the very ones that needed to hear about the Lord. Not the people that knew. It was the very ones that needed to hear about the Lord. And notice there was a cry from the Lord for repentance. You see, this was a different cry than what was cried before. You see, the religious leaders may have cried for, for, let's say, a service. They may have cried to them, let's go to the ceremony. Jesus was crying for repentance. It was a cry to the heart. You see, the religion was, was wonderful, changing an outward appearance. Jesus Christ came to change the very heart of men and women. That's what he was doing. So not only did he show that he had authority over sickness, over sin, but he also showed that he was come to call to repentance. The saviour as he is known. So if you let your eye run down to verse 18. And it says this, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they come saying unto him, Why did the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. Yet again, this was another instance of the beautiful Saviour showing who he was under the Pharisees. As soon as he would have mentioned the bridegroom, they would have known exactly what he was talking about. They would have known that he was referring to the marriage covenant that was made with Israel in the wilderness. They would have known what he was making a point of. They would have known that when he said the bridegroom, he was saying, I am the one who made the covenant with Israel. Can you imagine that? Not only as he said, he's the one that had authority over sickness and sins. Not only as he said, or or has shown them that he is the saviour, the one to call repentance. Now, he's telling them, I am the covenant making God. Constant revelation of who he was. 
onto the people. If you let your eye run down to verse 21. says this no man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old and the rent is made worse and no man putteth new wine into old bottles else the new wine doth burst the bottles and the wine is spilt and the bottles will be marred but the new wine must be put into new bottles. Now there was a national application in what the Lord was saying, but there was also a personal one. And you'll find this in a lot of parables that the Lord spoke. The national application was that Jesus had come to do a work. And part of that work was to destroy the old system of things was to do away with it because there was a new framework got to come in. There was a new system of things got to come in. He would come to bring truth. He had come to bring life. He had come to bring mercy. And he had come to glorify himself. You see, he couldn't put the new wine of the new covenant and put it together with the old covenant. It wasn't going to happen. And it wasn't going to work. It was a completely new covenant. He was going to do away with all the animal sacrifice. But he was going to make one perfect sacrifice. That lamb of God without blemish and without sin. Would take away the sins of the world. And not just cover them. But the personal application was, and this was the challenge to the Pharisees. He said, I'm the new wine of the new covenant. And what did he say? You have to be born again. You have to be made new. To accept the new covenant, you're going to have to be made new. And that was something the religious leaders just didn't want. And that's why he said, you see the new wine and the new covenant? It can't go in the old bottles. You're not going to accept it. He was telling them straight. And he was piercing their hearts with every word. So when we get down to verse 23... Of this chapter. <clears throat> it says. And it came to pass. That he went through the cornfields. On the Sabbath day. And his disciples began. As they went. To pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him. Behold why do they. On the Sabbath day. That which is. Not lawful. So you see, when we get to the word Sabbath, in the Greek, it's sabbaton. And it means to stop something or to stop doing what you would usually do. That's, that's, That's wholly what it means. 
So the Lord and his disciples were honouring the Sabbath as the God had intended it to be honoured. You see, the Pharisees were trying to enforce a man-made law. You see, they were trying to enforce a book which was written called the Talmud. And it was written in Babylon. And I just want to give you a few examples of this Talmud. What you weren't allowed to do according to the Talmud on the Sabbath day. For instance, you couldn't travel more than 1,999 steps. If you took 2,000 steps, you'd break the Sabbath law. Now, this would be Friday when the sun goes down until Saturday when the sun goes down. The only way you could actually go further than 1,999 steps was if you'd placed a bag of food or something at the end of the 999 steps. Then if you were to pick that up, you could take another 1,999 steps. So that was one of the rules. You could not bathe for fear of when the water fell off you that it might fall onto the floor because that would be classed as works. So that would break the Sabbath. If you lit a candle, you couldn't put it out. If it wasn't lit, you couldn't light a candle. Chairs couldn't be moved because they might make a rut which would be classed as works, again. Um, Women couldn't look in a glass. This is a good one. Or they might find a white hair and be tempted to pull it out. Uh, Women couldn't wear jewellery because jewellery weighs more than a dried fig. And you couldn't lift any more than a dried fig. A radish couldn't be left in salt because it would make a pickle and that would be works. And you couldn't have no more um, grain than picked than you could put in a lamb's mouth. So, that's just eight, eight of the rules that are in the Talmud. Um, Just to give you an idea of how many rules there was, there was 24 chapters of the Sabbath laws in the Talmud. And I'm just going to give you a bit of an idea. A rabbi, he took two and a half years studying one chapter to try and figure this out. So there was a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion. That rabbi was very dedicated after having that to him. But that's what the Talmud said. So by the Lord and his disciples going through the cornfield and taking the corn, they'd rolled it in their hands to remove the husks. So that was sifting, which was forbidden. Uh, They rubbed the heads of wheat, that was threshing. They cleaned off the shells, that was sifting. And then they threw the chaff into the air, which was winnowing, and that was all forbidden under the Talmud rules. So just picking and just having something to eat, that was a violation of their Talmud. But the best part about it was it wasn't a violation of God's law. In Deuteronomy 23 and 20, verse 25 says, When thou comest into a standing corn of thy neighbour, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thy hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle into thy neighbour's standing corn. So the Lord was perfectly within his rights to do with what he was doing in accordance to the law of God. You see, he knew the Old Testament scriptures far better than they did. But you see, it wasn't really a question as into why you're doing this. It wasn't even an inquiry 
it was, why are you challenging our religious authority? Why are you challenging us when we have such a grip over the people? That's what it was. And then he hits him with another blow because of his reply. Verse 25. And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did? He had need and was hungered. He and they that were with him. Now he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with him. Now the first thing we need to look at here is the example. You see, Moses was revered over all the prophets in that day. Well, David was the same. He was revered as the king. And by using David, again, he was hitting them right at the center of everything they believed. You see, David was fleeing for his life. He had been rejected by the people as his king. And he was fleeing south towards Gilbeth. He was on the run from Saul and he came to the land of Nob, which is just north of Jerusalem, about a, a mile. And this is where the tabernacle of the Lord would have been. And he went in to talk to the priest called Abhimelech, who was ministering in the place of Abiathar, the high priest. But David actually lied when he came in. Because he said that he was on a mission from Saul. But he said he was hungry. And the priest gave him the showbread. Now the showbread, as a bit of an example, just to show you what it represented. The showbread means continual bread. And this was a representation of the relationship of God with his people. Every week, the tabernacle or the priests would bake 12 loaves, and each loaf would contain six and a half pounds of flour. So it was a big loaf. And they were placed on a golden table, and they were left there until the next Sabbath. And when the next Sabbath came, the priests would take the bread and divide it up between themselves. And the loaves would be put into two rows of six. And this represented the 12 tribes of Israel. But according to Leviticus, it was only the priests that were able to eat the showbread. Nobody else was able to take it. But the one thing that this priest, that gave it David, knew. He knew that if he didn't give David and his men something to eat, there was a good chance they were going to die. Because they'd been on the run a while. When you start reading the chapter, when it says they were hungered, it said they were in a bad way. <clears throat> so there's a chance they could have died. And he knew that the Lord required mercy over rituals every time. Because in Hosea 6 and 6, it says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings there was another thing to it as well David 
was the rightful king of Israel. And if he'd have been acknowledged, he would have never had to do that in the first place. You see, King Saul was the people's choice. What you see with Saul, and when you look through his life, he kept doing what he thought was right instead of what the Lord God wanted him to do. And then he was replaced with a man called David. Now, David wasn't perfect, but you'll notice that he calls him a man after his own heart. You see, David was the choice of the Lord God. He was the king to rule over the kingdom. But I want you to get something. Why did he mention David? Why did he mention this specific scripture? And I want you to get this. Because the Pharisees were like Saul's. They were doing what they thought was right. They were doing everything with their man-made rules. And he says, but you're rejecting the king. You're rejecting the rightful king that is right in front of you and you don't even know it. And you see what happened to Saul. The Lord took the kingdom away from Saul and gave it to David. And I want you to get this. Listen to what the Lord said. Matthew 21 and 42. Listen to what the Lord says. Jesus says unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Now listen to this, verse 43. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. He was going to do the same thing. Take the kingdom away from them because they didn't recognize their king. So Jesus knew the scriptures. He knew full well what was going to happen to the kingdom. And yet this, the very God that they claimed to know and love, the one that made the covenant with them on Mount Sinai, the one that shook the very mountain and they said, no, we won't go up. And they sent Moses instead because they were terrified to go was the same one that was stood in front of them. was the same one that they were trying to poke at every turn. was the same one they were trying to find fault in. In Mark chapter 2 and 27, he says this. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was made for a mercy onto people it was made to rest and it was made to worship for a worship of the Lord the Sabbath was never ever made or intended to restrict the deeds of necessity never it was never meant for a hardship it was always meant for rest And it was never meant to restrict acts of mercy. 
This is why the Lord said in Matthew 11 and verses 28, this is part of the reason why he said it. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, he was saying to them, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they're trying to put so much on you. They're trying to put rules and regulations on you. He says, learn of me. Come on to me. There's a day of rest for you. There's a day of worship. There's a day where you can come. There's no restrictions in me. Just worship me. There's freedom in Christ. That's what he was saying. There's freedom in me. There's freedom from the world. There's freedom from death. And there's freedom from a lost eternity called hell. There's freedom in Christ. You'll notice something. The Lord went out of his way to heal people on the Sabbath. And I found something quite surprising. Well, I say I found something quite surprising. In fact, it was me and Kevin found this quite surprising. He actually texted me from Newcastle this. And he says, have you seen this? You'll find that the Lord healed seven people on the Sabbath day. Seven. And I think we all know what the number seven is. It's perfection. And I was thinking about this when Kevin texted me. He said, he healed seven people on the Sabbath day. And he thought, perfection. And then straight away it came to me. The perfect rest of Christ. There's everything in him. There's healing, there's rest, there's restoration. All points to him. Verse 28 in Mark 2 says, Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now this was the was the real slap in the face, if you like. Because you'll remember at the very centre of their religious ceremonies was always the Sabbath. This was their pinnacle. This was their crux of everything that they did. And to be claimed over this, what he was claiming was to be the very creator of the universe. Because... And he created all things in six days and on the seventh day he rested. So he was claiming to be almighty God, Elohim, the great I am, the creator of all things. So this was a very, would have really, really touched their hearts. This was the thing that would infuriate them and you'll find when you read on from there. This is the point when we said, this can't go on. And the wheels were starting to be set in motion for his crucifixion. But they had done something. They had completely missed the point. They'd missed everything. They'd missed what Jesus was doing. They'd missed the Lord, what, what he was saying to them. They'd missed his compassion. They'd missed his mercy. And you see, the thing is, brother and sister, what I'm trying to get across to you, 
religion will never cut it with the Lord. It will never cut it with the Lord. It doesn't matter whether it's something we just do or whether or we just come. No. You know what? The Lord will always look at the inner man, not the outer. Religion will always dress up the outer to look maybe enticing. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ will always deal with the heart. He will always change the inside out, not the outside in. And this is exactly what he was showing them. He was trying to make them see David was far more important to me than any ritual. His life was more important to me than anything of that. You see, he was trying to show the love that he had for people and he was trying to show the true meaning of what the Sabbath was. To come and worship, to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in Romans chapter 2, 28, 29, listen to this. He says, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. The circumcision that is of the heart in the spirit and not in the ladder whose praise is not of man but of God. It was the heart that the Lord was looking for. And I just want to say to you today just as a closing thought, it's happening so much today. <clears throat> I see with Christianity, they're trying to mingle it with so many other things, whether it's Islam, whether it's Judaism. But you see, the point is to get to the heart of the matter. It's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He's the only one that can give you rest. He's the only one that can give you restoration. He's the only one that can give you peace. Religion can't give you that because religion doesn't know Christ. Doesn't know him. Worship team, if you want to come up. I just want to give you one last scripture as they're coming up from Galatians 5 and 1. And it says this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ have made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Let's stay free in Christ, people. Let's keep him centre of everything that we do. In Jesus' name. I hope you got something from that this morning. God bless you. May the word of God truly touch our hearts this morning.